Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. Such a pleasure to be with Santa Barbara Mayor Randy Rouse. And we're going to talk about so many things this uh, in this episode. We're going to do sort of a year in review and also look ahead. Well, Randy, let's dive right in. I want to talk to you about all these things, but let's start with Lacumbra Plaza and the Lacumbra Plaza specific plan. There was a meeting, I think it was last week now, it feels like I don't even know when because there's been so much talk about it since then. But uh, there was this big project before the Santa Barbara County Association of Governments. And for those who don't know, um, that is a representative from every city in the county, as well as the five members of the Board of Supervisors. And they work on all these regional issues with transportation being number one, but also housing, and they get all kinds of funding. And so here they are making these decisions about how to use this REAP funding, which can go toward affordable housing. And Santa Barbara is trying to figure out what to do with La Cumbra Plaza. And they're thinking about a specific plan. There's multiple property owners. It's sort of this ideal site for a specific plan because you need collaboration. You need everyone working together. You need to have some common goals. And Santa Barbara submitted an application. SBCAG board said no. And it was oddly led, at least publicly, by former Santa Barbara City Council member Doss Williams, who seemed to trash uh, the planners and the planning process and the design review boards, which is really weird because Doss is a pro-government guy. I mean, he's he's somebody who's been on the council and you know he knows how these things work. So I found it a little bit um, unusual that he was sort of saying, why do a specific plan when it's just going to take forever when we can just go ahead and help this other private development move ahead? And I thought that was a little bit weird. But I wanted to ask you, Randy, uh, what was your take on that meeting? Well, <laughs> my, my first of all, my take was I was the only guy going in remotely and my tech wasn't working very well. So my take was a little bit of frustration along those lines. And I, was, I wasn't very pleased with the way staff got treated, to be quite, quite honest with you. Uh, all that being said, you know, we're trying to divide up these grants. We applied uh, for $1.2 million. They were going to award us $1,900,000. And the, the, the litmus test was for transitional, uh, or so transformational projects. And what would be more transformational than putting 1,900, 2,000 units in Lacumbra Plaza site? Eventually, that would include the Macy site that we're talking about currently, the Mace Ridge site, which is in the middle, as well as the, the Sears site, which is the Ripperetti Panazon property. Uh, so that was the grand plan they've been talking about for well over a decade. Uh, you know, back at when Doss was on council and whatnot. It's kind of interesting to have a lot of the folks that were kind of anti-development and people that were pro taking the RDA away from cities. And the RDA, we use 20% of that for an affordable housing stream back then. And now all of a sudden everybody's going, well, let's get all that out of the way. Let's get the sequel process, all the regulatory things out of the way that actually are what are planning tools for the surrounding community. This project is going to go into the next century, you know, when it's said and done. Um, now, as far as the criticisms of the process and staff, some of that's fair. I mean, we have had a clunky, a process and, and our discretionary design review boards sometimes have been a little bit a little bit capricious, a little bit clunky. We're in the middle of you know reforming, 
rescoping, doing a lot of those things as we speak. These are volunteer people that work really, really hard for the city. And the problem isn't those people. It's the problem that we give them as direction from council, to be quite honest with you. So as we move forward, uh, we were, we're trying to partner with the developer. The Taylors are a bona fide development group. They've, they've got the chops, no question about it. And it will be a good project. We would like to partner from the get-go, from the opening gun, all the way through to make sure we get a product that not only is a great project, but also something that the community, surrounding community can, can buy into. Right now, they're, they're, you know, Hope School, the surrounding neighbors, I think there's already a lot of traffic up there. Everybody's a little exercised right now. And I, boy, do I get that. So the planning process, the public outreach, all of that is important. The state has issued new land development plans. Oh, let's see, every five minutes, you probably did one while we were sitting here talking so far this morning. <laughs> And it's been really hard to stay on top of land use issues. A lot of them haven't even been gone all the way through the court systems yet. So, and we don't want to go there if we can help it. That's a waste of time. It's negative energy. We do need to have housing. But uh, the state's one size fit all uh, philosophy of housing, uh, you know, you you move to Santa Barbara because you don't want to be in, live in Santa Monica necessarily. And so to turn that, uh, that direction is something that uh, the community is going to have to really want to do. Uh, and right now, uh, we're not in that position. I think we're, we're going to need to have some outreach. We want to plan correctly, carefully, because this is a long, this isn't like a, a county fair that's going to be gone in a month. This is, the, this is a forever project, and it's a transformational project. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was disappointed that uh, we didn't get the grant. Um, clearly people in North County were happy to split that extra million dollars up between their projects. Uh, the tone of the meeting was something I, you know, it is what it was. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, that's that's spilled milk, no big deal, but I do want to work with the tailors, uh, in the city and the Ripper Reddies and really make a project that's going to be that sensory project that we're talking about. Right. And if the tailors were to go ahead and somehow get approval from the city for their project, um, obviously we'd have all those nearly 700 units at some point. But I think the point that Dan Gullett and uh, Isaacson, um, Eli Isaacson at the city, uh, community development director were trying to make was, um, let's do this together. Let's do this as a whole. Because if we look at it as, okay, developer, you get your thing. Well, what does that mean for everyone else? What does that mean for the other property owners at Lacumba Plaza? What does it mean for the long-term lease? What does it mean for Hope School? What does it mean for all the residents? And and, and so if everybody's going in there piece by piece, that can be worse than the status quo that we have right now because we could actually have all those things that other people complain about, about congestion and too much traffic and too much uh, lack of circulation but if the planners who are paid to do this to figure these things out can look at it holistically i think that was the point of the city was hey let's work together and you know it seems as though it might have been a better plan to like sort of you know rally the tailors and the city together to say hey let's let's do this your project will be better the city's specific plan will be better if you can figure it out. That didn't happen. And for the record, you are on the SBCAG board. You were the one no vote against this funding. 
where does the money come from now? I mean, obviously the city's not going to drop its plan, like, but where, where are you going to get 1.1 million for this specific plan? Well, that's a great question. We don't know. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we really don't know yet. That was kind of a drop the mic moment. I, I, I was presented all that about 24 hours before that we went in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, I think I had a, my weapons were a butter knife and a, and a doily for a shield. I mean, I had nothing going in. And frankly, it's not it's not something that rises to you know, my expertise doesn't lie, rise to that level. That's yeah. uh, so going forward. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think we're going to get somewhere with this. But what I don't want to do, Josh, is get the public so uh, exercised about this and pushing back so hard that that ends up delaying the project by itself, yeah. which, you know, it very well could. Um, you know, everybody understands there's a need for housing. Now, has intense density created affordable housing anywhere? Well, actually really hasn't so far. I mean, we, we did the AUD program and that was affordable by design. Here we go. We finally done it. And boy, it was popular from the opening gun. And, but it didn't produce the affordable housing. Went, oh, oh, wait a minute. You know, maybe, you know, we weren't right about that. So, you know, land use and development and planning is a very arcane, very complicated thing, especially when it comes to community planning, particularly when you're a built out community and established community. So, like I said, the superintendent from the Hope School District was there and, she, and, and it was frustrating for her because she didn't feel like they'd gotten to weigh in on anything yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once again, this was part of the general plan update back when, when we, when we passed that before. I remember it being 1,900 total units for that Lacumbra site. Um, and, uh, you know, that raised a few eyebrows at the time, but it was kind of like, you know, nobody really felt like it was a, a reality. And boom, the Taylor Project comes up. And like I said, they're they're very talented, very uh, capable developers. So they're not just, you know, throwing something up in the wind. They they have a big investment and they intend to to get something done there. Yeah, and for the record, uh, I've covered DOS for 20 years. DOS is usually a positive, optimistic person. Let's bring this together and make this work. And that was so odd for him. I was just like, I don't know. It was unnecessary this. because that, that train had pulled out from the station before I walked in the room. I mean, that, right, that right. became very, very clear to me. And yeah. uh, so we don't, and what we don't need here is we don't need to have the public watching us be rancorous with each other when we're trying to work towards the same goals. Yeah. And it's going to be up to us to, to bring the public along for the ride. And when they see us doing that, I mean, that's not what leadership is. That's for sure. I think leaders, leadership has to show cooperation, not necessarily always consensus, but at least a civility that's going forward that says, no, we're, we're the adults here. We're, we're, we're okay. And, you know, we see a lot of non-adult behavior on every level of government right now that it is, it's so frustrating for the rest of us out there to watch. Yeah. Well, this, it wasn't, oh, yes, just the omnibus, omnibus bill that's supposed to be done in five minutes. Here we go. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a great example for you. Hey, uh, sh- shifting gears, Randy, I wanted to just sort of say that uh, as a reporter in the past year, it's been entirely different tone to cover you in the mayor's seat. Uh, you are who you are and you are honest and you speak your mind and you're not scripted and you're not thinking of what are my talking points that I have to say for a party that's going to endorse me for my next campaign. Um, you're more authentic. And with that comes sometimes you get annoyed with coverage of mine and sometimes you like it, and but we can have a conversation about it, you know, and I imagine that's how you deal with 
your constituents and people respect that over the long run. And so um, I wanted to just sort of talk to you about it. How's it been as your as the first year as mayor? Is it everything you expected? What What are you feeling after a year? Yeah, you know, uh, because I was on council all that time before, you know, I, I knew what the job was and the job isn't different here. I just I just get to sit in the middle. You know, that's all really the difference is. Uh, what was different for the council when I was off the council was COVID and remote meetings and whatnot. And it's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, you know, very tech adapt, adept anyways, as I proved during the SBKAG meeting, frankly, <laughs> but, um, uh, had, meeting remotely, uh, and the, there was no real esprit de corps on the council back then. Since we're back together, we you know, kind of the timing worked out great because even though we still had the masks on and the little plastic shields between us, uh, we were in the same room. And it does make a difference. Your meetings are way more effective. And it's, you know, you're not you know, wandering around or talking to somebody else in your office when you're in a meeting. You're up there in the public eye right there. And uh, there's no place to run, no place to hide. And I think we've been a better council for it. As far as the work goes, I actually... I actually enjoy the work, you know, running for office. Yeah. That's, that's really not for normal people, but, but once you get done with that and having to ask people for money and whatnot, the actual day-to-day work, which I see as simplistically public safety and, and infrastructure. And that's after that, it gets, you know, you know, pretty thin. Um, and that's precisely what I, what I like about it. I, you know, I like the idea that I can call somebody because I know how to, who to call to get your streetlight fixed. And I think that's, Pretty cool stuff. So that's the level I operate on. Is kind of you know I guess they would call it pothole politics, but you know it's just like I said, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm I, I serve the. You you mentioned something, a question when I first got elected because I got elected by thirty nine or forty percent. How do I speak to the other sixty percent? And to me, that was uh, that was basically a non question because I work for ninety thousand people. And it's whether you agree with me or not. And boy, do I run into people who don't agree with me every day. Uh, but I still work for them. And, uh, and that's part of the deal. And uh, frankly, after all the years of being in the business and doing different things I did, this, this isn't, it's not tough duty. It's actually very enjoyable. I, 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 find, it, uh, I find it fulfilling. Yeah, no, it shows you definitely enjoy it. And uh, what, a, what an amazing twist of fate, uh, just positive fortune for you to, you thought you were kind of done with your council, you know, commitments and things just worked out and you came back and I was there on election night uh, at El Paseo. It's like, wow. You know, that room was so uh, full of positive energy uh, yeah. for you. And, you know, not just certain po- parts of the population, um, a whole diverse group of supporters for you. It's pretty humbling. Uh, yeah. Randy, let's talk about state street. You know, we talk about Lacumber Plaza. Let's talk about state street. Uh, there's this uh, movement going on. There's a State Street master plan. Uh, we have restaurants who want to keep their outdoor dining. The city, of course, as uh, you know, you're part of that. Um, you know, a new direction of storm draining, storm drain cleaning, um, uh, infrastructure, making sure these parklets are, are safe. And so there's this battle going on about design and public safety. And then there's this business approach of, hey, we need this, but then retail and all this stuff's going on. And we have this $800,000 consultant to figure it out. And then there's Randy with this reputation or this little buzz around him of, oh, 
and he wants cars back on State Street, or at least part of State Street. So can you talk about that? Uh, what do you want, Randy, as it relates to cars and parklets and State Street? It's it's called being curmudgeonly, but, the, you know, of all the years, uh, you know, when I was at, at back to speak a lot of years ago, I was at UCSB, and part of my environmental studies major was urban planning. And back then, that was kind of the, the genesis of what they call the urban mall, which was you take a normal city street and you close it off, and you have retail and walkability and promenades and that kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, the, the largest percentage of them, almost 90% of them, failed. And none of them were, you know, very few of them, none of them that I recall were actually the main street and uh, none of them were 10 blocks long. You know, they were a couple blocks long, four blocks long, Santa Monica's three blocks long, whatever it is. You know, Pearl Street is a, is a cross, a cross street. You've got Burlington, Vermont, you've got you know, Minneapolis, all these things going on. And it's tough because retail is, is hard. And when people say retail is dead, I always have to go, well, it's not Amazon because if you look at the if you look at the numbers, the lion's share of retail is not online. Even though I would swear by the number of times that the FedEx guys at my house that it is, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's um, you, know, re, you know, retail is, is still done uh, in 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 the old way. Uh, talked to I talked to John Nordstrom about that years ago, and he was saying, yeah, you know, when his dad got going on this thing, it was the Sears catalog, and that was the big threat to, to you know to retail and. So, but in any case, so we're back to what State Street is, and it was a great move by the council at the time and Paul Casey to close State Street to save the restaurants. Restaurants moved outside. You couldn't eat indoors. Nobody knew what was going on. But they thought, everybody thought they'd be over by maybe Labor Day of that year. Three years later, here we are still. Now people are hanging on to it because they've got extra square footage, extra seating. The public does like to dine out of doors. Uh, I think that's, that's very clear. But what's the real thing we're trying to do here? Because you have a certain number of businesses that are restaurants and food service places, uh, mostly evening places, mostly ones that serve alcohol and whatnot that open at night. Uh, but then you saw the daytime places like, you know, National Cafe and whatnot that, you know, what we really need are people working downtown to, to make those lunch places hum. Hmm. So I think there's a I think there's a chance to do both. I think there's a chance to do robust outdoor dining on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. bring the street back because first of all the parklets uh and this is not the fault of the restaurateur because i wouldn't have put any money into it either because they don't know what we're going to do next because we don't know what we're going to do next so it it doesn't look good it covers up a lot of our architecture Uh, the extra lighting is good i enjoy that at night that's a good thing but you have a lot of things that are going on that really aren't going to be kosher in the long run. You, you, you really are not supposed to cross an open public right-of-way with, with, with food, uncovered food. You're not supposed to cross it with alcoholic beverages, all the things that we do now. And, and trust me, the people that have parklets all over the country are going through the same discussion right now. Yeah. Uh, and really, those, those parklets, those are not parklets, the outdoor seating should be contiguous to the business like it was before. I think we can can accommodate more of that. I think we can make the sidewalks clear to get get some planter remodels, get them refurbished, get them them as much sidewalk space as possible because that's what we designed when we first did the red tiled tour in the downtown. So yes, storm drain thing is is important. The State Street is our de facto storm drain, number one. 
Number two is the, the few blocks that do not have the four or five, the three or four blocks that don't have restaurant or food service on them have not recovered. You know, they're, and, and are cars going to bring that back? I don't know, but I do know a lot of retailers that will not sign a lease on a closed street. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, what I've been told. Yeah. So what do we do? You know, bikes have been an issue on State Street, but it's the spine of our bicycle master plan. And we want you to ride up and down State Street. And, and that's just, this is our spine of our city. It's our heart. It's our soul. It's our architecture. That's how we show you Santa Barbara. Getting people up and down the street in a trolley is something I really want to do. But we can't really have trolleys and not cars because it's you'd have to have gates at any, every intersection. Mm. So um, I really don't want to jump on the... The, the planners and the, the consultants work, but this is a long time off in the future. And I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I've been around planning issues a long time in this town. It's a long time in the future. And we have no identified capital for capital improvements. We're going to do a, a we're doing the library plaza. We're going to do a police station. We're going to do daily gear plaza. We never went measure C never anticipated a big capital input into state street. Mm-hmm. So it's a work in progress. I am just, I'm a little disappointed we haven't had a more robust interim plan. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm just seeing, we, we can't, status quo to me is not satisfying. It's not as clean as it needs to be. It's not as active as it needs to be in a lot of open spaces. Having events down there is fine, but when you have an event in a vacant park, when the event's over, you still have a vacant park. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot, it's our street. It's what we, you know, it's the public right of way. How do, how do we best utilize it? Yeah, that's really good, really clear points. And um, I know that 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 shuttle that used to go up and down State Street, and I think MTD was may have been struggling before the pandemic, but somehow there needs to be a shuttle. I don't care who does it, but that's a really good service um, for for locals and tourists, and also uh, the parades. I, mean, I remember the holiday parade that the DO used to do. This is such a good parade on State Street. Yeah. It was missing this year. I, I felt that we let the Christmas tree. It was a nice event. We had it by the Arlington, you know, yeah. the DO to put it on. And DO's doing what they as much as they can do at this point in time. But that parade was, in fact, a big deal. Yeah. You know, and so uh, and the Fiesta Parade is 98 years old. And then the Solstice Parade, you know, they did a good job of pulling it off on Santa Barbara Street. But um, I don't know, you know, that that whole magical community thing and the parades aren't about the businesses they're about the community yeah and the praise never did me any favors when i was in business but that's fine it's a community deal the community comes together for those yeah you were a block off uh it was probably a bad time for you (laughs) for those parades no it was because you couldn't physically get downtown very easily and of course the ricardos at daily gara plaza were serving food and i serve food and whatnot but you know fiesta is a community thing it's when all the nonprofits make their money and it's a lot of locals love fiesta i was a little bit I was a little bit jaded because I was in the epicenter of it. So I was like, going, oh, my God, it's Fiesta again. But <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm here and I'm out of the business and I do this. I go, you know, I'm seeing Fiesta from a different light now as I do the different events and, you know, do things at the mission and all that. I go, you know, there's a lot of cool old family tradition that goes back generations. That, you know, it's, it's not it's not fair that we've kind of just, you know, and of course, COVID was right in the middle of us. It was like the double whammy. But would State Street be closed if it wasn't for COVID? The answer is no. I mean, if you were going to do a closure of State Street and build a promenade, then we're doing the right thing. We're doing the master planning effort. We're doing the consultant effort and whatnot. 
But in the meantime, what do we do? And, you know, that's, that's what's where I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling with this interim uh, issue. Yeah. <clears throat> for the lack of direction. Definitely. Yeah. I want to ask you about the year and uh, any, any sort of like highlights. So you're like, I'm really proud of, of what we were able to accomplish this year. But before that, I want to ask you about city attorney, Ariel Colon and, um, obviously that's a blemish. We don't know all the details, but he was here at the beginning of the year. He's, he's not here now. Um, and that's one of the two positions, the, the city, uh, council hires and fires. And, you know, not long before that, there was a new city administrator that the council hired. Of course, Paul resi- uh, retired, uh, but, or I think he didn't retire. I think he just resigned. Um, but um, uh, is a different situation than Ariel. Let's put it that way. So um, what can you say about the loss of the city attorney? And then from there, can you go into, you know, what are the highlights of the year for you? Yeah. So, uh, no, it was, it was, it was difficult, uh, as you know, you know, because you, <laughs> we've had to tell all the media this, there's, there's limited amounts of information we can give about an internal uh, personnel issue. Um, it is public that we did uh, terminate his employment. Uh, the good news was is that our, our at the time our acting city attorney Sarah Connect, who's been with us for a long time, I think since the late '80s, if I'm not mistaken, um, was not only serving in that position but was actually really enjoying her time running the department. And so, you know, I met at length with her, and because uh, I want to know because she was probably on the cusp of retiring herself. You know, she'd been here for a lot of years and uh, she is, was extremely passionate and interested in the job. Uh, I have to say that our, our people over in that department, even with all the internal turmoil, what was ever going on, stayed at their posts, did their job, didn't skip a beat, didn't wank about it. Just boom. They just kept it going. So I was very, very proud of that. And I hope I communicated it to that, to them that effectively. Sarah uh, and Mike, I mean, the rest of the council all agreed that uh, she was exactly who we needed for this time. Uh, we need somebody who can, uh, you know, be a really good department manager, somebody who's a great parliamentarian, and somebody who knows how to, you know, delegate the work on a level that we uh, can keep functioning on. I think uh, so. We're we're doing uh, we're doing well over there now. I'm I'm very very pleased and very proud of the work they do. The city administrator, yeah, Paul. Uh, Paul Levy. Paul was also wrapping his career up in the middle of COVID. And what a weird time! And it was, you know, very kind of, you know, council was having some communication issues and whatnot, and and uh, so it was just, you know, he just felt like he'd had enough. I think, um, yeah, I don't really know. We we don't really talk on that level. Hmm. But Rebecca had been his number two, and I've known Rebecca since you know, she was doing the water treatment plant and all that stuff. She's actually really, really good at because she's she loves all the technical stuff. Uh, but she also was she also is very passionate about what she's doing as a city administrator. So once again, my colleagues and I felt like this was a, a great opportunity to put a very extremely capable person in there. Uh, normally, we do you know city you know searches over the country and all these things, which you know both both the city administrator and the city attorney are not in the beginnings of their career so at some point in time we'll be having to do those things but we're resetting the bar and i think things are going great and and, and just to finish up on that point one of the great accomplishments of the years was so rebecca named renee Ireley as her number two which is very capable very knows a lot about uh, 
uh, you know, things like solid waste. Well, we're going through the solid waste contracts right now. I mean, and things like that. Uh, we brought in, you know, Brandon Bodette from, uh, he's been in public works. And then the last thing we did was uh, Rebecca brought in Barbara Anderson. Mm-hmm. And Barbara's job is to, number one, she's going to be, you know, be the liaison between the police and the, and the oversight commission and the city administrator and the public. And then number two is she's helping to coordinate along with Liz Stotts, our homeless services. And one of the things I'm proud about for the year, and I'm kind of wandering into the next part of the question, but is we have upped our outreach and our homeless services. And we're, we're actually getting ready to announce a new contract with CityNet for more expanded hours, going into the evenings, having contact out there, being multipliers for our sworn police force. So in that, plus the Dignity Move projects on, on, on Santa Barbara Street, we've made real tangible projects. It doesn't mean there's no problem on State Street. But in terms of sheer numbers, we've made a lot of progress. And I feel, uh, and, and Barbara's been one of the best things we brought on as far as our administration goes. So yeah. that's, a, that's in a position that didn't exist before. And Rebecca uh, created that. And I'm you know very pleased with that. Yeah, she's got a great reputation. Everybody says great things about her experience and her knowledge and what she's going to be able to do with the city and has already done. Hey, uh, how is morale, uh, Randy, on the council? Um, you you touched on it uh, during COVID. It's tough for people to to be able to bond and unite in the same way when you're not in the same room. But but do you do you feel as though you've been able to unite this council in a way that's was better than the prior administration? Well, as I said when I left the first time, I don't like any of those people. But no, we uh, <laughs> no council. I think council, and I think being in the same room together has really been the biggest difference. Frankly, um, you know, we we've uh, related to each other. I've I've tried on my end to try to keep the meetings short and crisp and paced because nobody gets smarter after 8 p.m. I think that is that's been a thing going forever and ever. And uh, so I think staying in our lane, staying on business, staying what we we do as opposed to wandering off into other areas of policy or politics uh, has helped morale as well. I think our our, our people are focused, they're functional. Um, we had a retreat at the beginning of the year, and we got to talk a lot of things out, got to do a little barking at each other, talk, talk about a lot of things, and I think that helped. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do it again this year. I'd be definitely in favor of it if we did. I think those things are good. Um, but I think everybody is, um, you know, I've been trying to meet with each of them on a more regular basis individually as well, just to shoot the breeze and 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 see what you know what bugs them, what doesn't bug them, and the projects they're working on. But I think the focus and the clarity, uh, and you know, like we'll get into things like you know housing and, and affordability issues, and you'll see us kind of it will we'll start to veer off the path from time to time. And so we're trying to reorganize that so planning commission can be more of a part of that because planning commission really has more of the tools and the skills to do that. So I'm looking forward to having those other those other parts of the government give us thing give us a more final project that we can a product I should say that we can ratify and move forward with as opposed to trying to create from up there on the dais because that's that hasn't worked that well in the past didn't work back when I was on council but if we can get everybody on the same team. And have a have more consensus before we even get it to in front of us on the dais. I think that's really the, the way to go. Yeah, well, you know, I've been covering this stuff since 99, 2000, yeah. when I was hired at the news press. And 
you know, no offense to any the current council, but uh, there's some strong councils in those, you know, those years and in, in terms of, I think the biggest difference is as a journalist, it felt as though they answered, they got a lot of their questions answered prior to the meeting. So there was less of that back and forth jibber jabber with the staff and like you know that that jason dominguez thing where you're like interrogating them <laughs> i like, wasn't gonna say that name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, they put in the work before so when it came time to the council it was like maybe the, the the one big question and then everybody had more time and then there was discussion and and of course the public would come and new things would come up but it seems as though sometimes it's these days people kind of just show up and just kind of ask all their questions and it's all aired out for everybody. And like you said, it's 10 o'clock and I'm like, I got to go to bed, you know, like yeah. make a vote, please, you know, do something. So I think that, um, you know, that's one thing that's getting better is I think the council is getting better at picking their spots for questions and doing. And I have questions. tried to encourage them to pre ask those questions. Yeah. Uh, but one thing we had to be careful of, and we talked about this at the beginning of the year is not having council members, try to direct or assign extra work to staff without, you know, going through Rebecca. Uh, yeah. Because what happens is, is you'll get, you know, staff, staff is always working for us. They'll never say no to you. And so that we got to be really careful about that. So, so, well, I asked the community development director to go off in this direction going, you know, we can't do that because we only re employ Rebecca. She employs everybody else. Yeah. So it's important that she is aware of everybody we talked to and when, but you're exactly right. Getting your, going to your council agenda report and saying, what are they talking about? Pre-feeding that uh, with questions so they don't ask up on the dais because that's, like you said, that's just crazy making. <laughs> Nobody wants us to listen to us talk longer than we already do. <laughs> And staff is stuck there because they they work for us and they just yes council member no council member, um, but uh, it's important to stay on track because you start to lose the audience. The audience is out there. Great example was we got ready for our fire and police commission interviews, yeah. and there was a whole bunch of people out there and they thought they were going to get interviewed about four o'clock. We had one item on the agenda, and that was that budget final thing. <laughs> Well, we know how that went. Gosh. And a lot of people just said, you know, I'm not going to sit it all night for this. Do I really want to be a part of this? <laughs> so that was uh, that was a rather unfortunate. Uh, that was kind of like where you don't want to go. Yeah. And we had talked about that stuff ahead of time uh, to the extent we could. One thing that makes it hard, Josh, to be honest with you, is the Brown Act, because we're very careful and very attentive to the Brown Act. But it does mean that you can't pre-discuss things amongst you beforehand. No. So you got to be really careful. I go, oh, have you talked to more than one person about this? And I can't talk to you about that. No. So then we get up there and it's all de novo. Like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, the Brown X is not a bad thing. It's just that sometimes it's cumbersome when you're trying to, you know, get to a consensus on something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We like the Brown Act for sure. Um, but yeah, the so Brown Act... <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't prevent you from reading the staff reports and agendas ahead of the meeting and asking the yeah, staff yeah, the yeah. questions. Um, no, and but, asking questions to staff because staff always makes themselves available to us. They never blow us off, so you know it's it's available to us. We just have to do it. Hey, Randy, a couple of things uh, you mentioned the uh, 
uh, fire uh, commission and uh, police and fire commission. And I wanted to go back a little bit. Were you happy with how things turned out with the work of the community formation commission and um, the decision to not have an outside review board, but to refashion this internal commission into being essentially the oversight um, did it all work out for you the way you wanted? I know there was a little drama with the former police chief and Gabe Escobedo, and there was a little drama in that moment. But what's your summary looking back? How did it turn out for you? It turned out fine. But the stuff that happened leading up to it is, is frankly what brought me back out of retirement was because right after the George Floyd thing and it was pandemic and it was a really tense, tense, tense time. Um, but I feel like, uh, number one, We've always had strong community policing. We were never Minneapolis. Our people were never doing that stuff. And once again, I'm going to I'm going to pump them up because they stayed so high road during a lot of criticism, which really wasn't pointed at them. But the other side of the coin is they weren't getting the kudos for who they were and how they functioned out there on the street. So you know they just sat back and and did their job while while we were spinning around doing that thing. The Community Formation Commission was, number one, too big. You, you, you can't get that many people in a room to move forward, you know, in, my, in my opinion. Uh, so I didn't like the way it was formed. Number two is there were a lot of things that people were asking for that weren't possible under the charter. You know, the Fire and Police Commission are chartered things. You'd have to actually go to the ballot, which is 2024, to make the changes they wanted. Last point is, what were they trying to fix? And they weren't, you know, and I said this in public already, so I'm not saying anything new. They weren't trying to fix our department. They were trying to address policing in general. And like I said, our department has carefully honed and trained and been a part of all this. Barney Malekian, who's somebody I just can't say enough good things about, has done. There's nothing that the man has not done in, in, uh, in law enforcement. And he saw also, even though he was at the end of his career, he also saw modern policing being different than the way he was. He also saw how training was really important for things like, you know, verbal interaction and not physical interaction. All those things. Barney was way on top of this stuff. He was a great coaching guy when it came to cultivating even more community policing. So we had this fabulous department that I thought was not getting the credit they deserved. Rebecca, on her part, went ahead and put Barbara in place, and we've gone ahead and hired an outside consultant to help train Barbara in this police, fire commission, police department, administration, public, that, that all those interactions going forward. So we've done, I think, over and above our due diligence. At the end of the day, uh, we we got five people. We had a two for two years and and three for five years, I think it was, anyway, um, assigned to or, or, or chosen, appointed to the Police and Fire Commission. So I think I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. Uh, you know, they weren't going to have subpoena powers. There's a lot of things that just weren't legally or physically even possible. Right. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the way it ended up. I think there was a lot of money. I think there was a lot of angst and a lot of uh, unnecessary uh, 
un, unnecessary acrimony that went into the whole process. And but at the end of the day, we've got a brand new police chief. She's fabulous. We've got a good command staff, and we've got great people on the field. And I just went to the last graduation coming out of the academy, and I don't know where they find these people, but they're really impressive. Yeah. So I'm 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 very very pleased. And by the way, just got eight new uh, e-bikes. Put these guys on, which is great way to patrol during the daytime and they can get around town fast uh are they allowed to drive on the 500 block they can do whatever the hell they want they're cops Uh, (laughs) that's the problem that's why people want the commission no just kidding (laughs) exactly no i i uh it's funny i walk with those guys a lot um and uh you know with the outreach people and just when they're doing their normal thing and i'm always amazed at just how compassionate these guys are I mean, they're, they are, uh, you know, they're a lot less critical than I am of certain situations. But going And so you expect, you, you want John Wayne and Gandhi all in the one, one package when you got a cop. And frankly, for the most part, I think we have that out there. I'm, I'm very, very pleased with who we have. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I want to wrap up here. Uh, this is a, a really big question, but you've been doing this a long time. You own the paradise cafe forever. And then you retired. You were on the council nine years. Uh, you came back and now you're the mayor and you're going to be here. What? At least another, you have a five-year term, don't you? Right. Yeah. So you're going to be here at least that long. Um, are you having fun, Randy? I mean, is this, is this, is this your dream life? Everything you wanted to be, are you glad you did this? Can you just talk a minute about where you're at <laughs> just as, as the man to sort of end your career this way? You know, uh, no, no, it was never a dream or an aspiration. That's for sure. Um, am I having fun? Do I enjoy the work? Yes, I really do enjoy the work. Um, there's a lot of things that slide in with politics, especially politics up in the, the state and the, the federal level. It drive me absolutely crazy because I'm, you know, everybody knows I'm, I'm really anti-party politics. And I realize there's a place for them. But when you're serving a party uh, and doing your job, you're serving two masters. And I, I don't believe in that. I think once you walk in this building, your ideologies and your parties, they're yours, but don't bring them to work. Come on in and let's work. Let's, let's get the lights to turn on and the water to come out of the faucet and all the stuff that isn't really sexy, but it is what people pay us for. And, uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of my feeling. I, you know, district elections, uh, brought us, uh, we, we, we have some good people on council. It's hard because you know, we've had to appoint a couple of people because we didn't have opponents for them. Uh, it's a younger council than we've, more than we've had over all the years. So take that for whichever way you want to take it. Um, so I, you know, I guess my, my thing is, is as long as we're doing what the voters put us in, in a position for, I'm good. If we're worried about what some other group or party or corporation or whomever is thinking, uh, that's that's when I get again. That that's what the part that gets under my skin a little bit. Yeah. And last question, total curveball here. How's your genius, brilliant son, Brian Rouse, doing these days? <laughs> I don't see him at the school board anymore. So I don't he's know not at the school board doing. anymore. He actually <laughs> went to work for a company called Parent Square. Oh, which okay. was somebody the school board used to buy or the school district bought a uh, product from. Yeah. Um, my son is the ultimate secret agent. I have no idea what he does or what he's ever done. I just know he, he just got a new Tesla yesterday. So I think he's doing okay. 
know, maybe he'll uh, be the new CEO of Twitter. Who, know, uh, who knows? You know, he could be. You know, he could be married with three kids, as far as I know. I would never know. No, he's a he's a great guy. He's uh, he, he's he, he loves the kind of work. He has a passion for it. He's the he's actually, I think, the vice president of security within this new Parent Square group. And I, once again, that leads me. You know. You know, I had a hard enough time logging on to Zoom today, let alone know what he does. So, <laughs> so he got the brains from Janet. Is that what you're saying? Well, it didn't come from my side of the family. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because she was the art major, and she so she didn't think it's her either. But uh, you know, my 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 side of the family is is didn't exactly uh, win the Nobel Prize many times itself. So who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, um, Randy, it's always fun to talk to you. I appreciate you uh, taking time to be on the show and talk about the the year and, you know, these really big, important issues. And I look forward to 2023 and I'm sure we'll have our moments, but I know you're always going to, uh, uh, you know, tell me about them, which is something I respect. So I appreciate Hell, it. I will. You bet. No, it, it's, uh, it, you know, I, I thank you, Josh. I appreciate it and appreciate the, you know, as you know, I always appreciate when you guys make a story that has, you know, accuracy and facts them and whatnot. And, 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 uh, I like to, uh, I like to, I have kind of a noogie relationship with Nick Welsh, as you know, so that's kind of fun. So <laughs> yes, you guys are yeah. doing great. Appreciate it. And, uh, and uh, even even your old buddy Jerry Roberts with that that obnoxious Giants uh, jersey on, but uh, yeah, I don't know how such a brilliant, intelligent man could be so flawed <laughs> in one area. It's very disappointing. <laughs> All right. All right, Randy. All right, Have Josh. a good one. Yeah, Take Merry care. Christmas. Thank you.